the Lord and the Founding Fathers created executive orders because of partisan bickering and divided government. Oh, really? Is that why the Lord created executive orders? Got it. God, this White House is stupid. They're not stupid. They're just criminals. And liars and thieves. Yep. Yes, I'm stuck in the middle. From Pacifica Radio in Los Angeles, this is the broadcast as heard on KPFK 90.7 FM in LA, 98.7 FM in Santa Barbara, 93.7 in San Diego, and 99.5 in Ridgecrest and China Lake, California. Also in California, in Red Bluff and Redding on KFOI, Round Mountains KKRN, and Eureka's KGOE. In Oregon on the Central Coast on KYAQ, Cottage Grove's KSO and Eugene's KEPW. In Lancaster, Pennsylvania on WLRI, Maui, Hawaii's KAKU. In Columbus, Ohio on WGRN. Palinville, New York's WLPP. In Grand Rapids on WPRR. In New Orleans on WHIV. Gallup, New Mexico's KNIZ. Concord, New Hampshire's WNHN. In Fayetteville, Arkansas on KPSQ. In Seattle on KODX, Janesville, Wisconsin's WADR, and Minneapolis, St. Paul's AM950 KTNF. Yes, there are elections in Wisconsin and Minnesota this week. Pay attention, folks. We also stream coast to coast and around the globe every day on the internet. on the Progressive Voices channel, Netroots Radio, Radio for Humans, FYI Nation, NicoleSandler.com, Radio Free Brooklyn, Workforce Rising, Deprogrammed Radio. And Detour Talk, blanketing planet Earth five days a week. I'm Brad Friedman, your friendly investigative blogger, journalist, troublemaker, muckraker, and all-around swell fellow, says me, from bradblog.com. Thank you very much for joining us today. Uh, another one of those days, Desi Doyen, when I've got way too much show, I got a 20-pound show and a 5-pound bag, or however <laughs> I would that say is a 1-pound bag in this case, because yeah. it's, it's very, very much all at once, as it, usual. This is uh, kind of nuts. As a matter of fact, as we go to air right now, breaking news, I have no idea what this means, but Fox News is reporting on my telephone that uh, Donald Trump was abruptly escorted out of the White House press briefing Minutes after taking the podium, any idea what that's about? Well, Jonathan Lemire, who is uh, the AP Associated Press mm-hmm. White House correspondent, uh, he posted that uh, President Trump was abruptly escorted out of the White House Brady briefing room. That's the press conference briefing room. Monday afternoon, shortly after starting a scheduled press conference, he was about three minutes into his remarks when he was asked to leave by a Secret Service agent. Reporters were also asked by Secret Service to move to a different location, uh, and they said that uh, they they have been sent to a different room, and they're just awaiting more word on what is going on. The briefing room doors have been locked. Okie dokie, then. So see, as if today's show wasn't exciting enough, we get to kick it off with that. Uh, yeah. Desi, uh, Dorian, no idea why. let me know. Yeah, if you learn anything more, let us know. We will share it. Uh, I mentioned this on Friday, but I think I need to mention this much more often right now, uh, between now and November 3rd. Never mind the poll numbers that you may be hearing. Forget them. Just forget about it. 
At this point, uh, given the all-out assault that we are now seeing around the country, that I am now seeing around the country, including by, yes, the Postmaster General of the U.S. Postal Service, the assault on voting and voting rights and the election itself at this point, forget the polls. I am officially placing Joe Biden's chances of winning this November 3rd right now at no better than 50-50. No better. 50-50 at best. That's it. So if you think uh, Democrats have a luxury with an unpopular president, please, I beg of you, think again. It is no better than 50-50, as I see it, that uh, Donald Trump is actually uh, not somehow named president for a second term this year. There is Nothing he won't do at this point to make sure that happens. So the question is, what are you prepared to do about it? Now, I know a lot of our listeners have their eyes, of course, on November 3rd, as well they should. But we are not yet done with, yet with uh, state primary season. On Tuesday, voters are either heading to the polls or have hopefully already sent in their vote by mail ballot or preferably dropped it off in person at a Dropbox or the jurisdiction election office or at early voting sites. Uh, Check your local rules and regulations to find out what's possible there. But uh, they're going uh, to the polls in a number of states. I think we got five on Tuesday. But given the mail slowdowns now being instituted by Trump mega donor turned Postmaster General Louis DeJoy, as we discussed in detail on this program on Friday with Mark Dimenstein, the president of the American Postal Union, he joined us as our guest on Friday. Uh, you can download that for free if you missed it at bradblog.com. We now all not only need to make plans to vote with a vote by mail ballot, but we need to create strategies for hand-delivering that ballot wherever possible, if possible. Dimenstein confirmed to me that Trump's new postmaster general has now slowed down mail service, uh, in Dimenstein's words, everywhere around the country, and said that while postal workers can handle the influx of vote-by-mail ballots this year, their hands are being somewhat tied and, and by uh, these new mandates from the postmaster general. And he advises, Dimenstein does, that if you can't mail in your ballot at least a week before Election Day, at least a week, you should try to deliver the ballot yourself to a drop box or a polling center or a county headquarters, whatever is allowable where you live. Uh, Ernie Canning at the Brad blog today discusses some of the necessary strategies for figuring out how to make make sure that your ballot gets counted this year. And how you can start working on that strategy right now and help everyone else you know to do the same. This is not just a matter of, oh, be sure to vote on November 3rd. This is going to take some work. Lots of it from all of us. Uh, We'll likely discuss some of those strategies more as the week goes on, but you can check out those helpful tips right now at bradblog.com and share them with your friends and neighbors and coworkers. This is all hands on deck, people. We are now 85 days away from the, from the presidential election day. But who's counting? 85 days. Vote-by-mail ballots will be going out in just over a month. Please start by assuring that you are registered to vote 
Even if you think you are, go check, go make sure, and while you're there, make sure that you are registered to vote at your current address. Here in L.A., you can do that at lavote.net or via the um, uh, California Secretary of State website. But for tips on how to do that wherever you may live... Uh, the uh, Progressive Democrats of America have set up a very helpful web page for all 50 states at 2020voterscalendar.org. 2020voterscalendar.org with links on uh, where you can uh, register online or check your registration online, how to request a vote-by-mail ballot in each specific state, along with deadlines for registration, uh, how to make uh, requests for uh, vote-by-mail ballots, and much more. 2020voterscalendar.org. Please share that address with everyone you know as well. Thank you. Uh, so as mentioned, it is primary election day on Tuesday in Vermont, in Connecticut, where they're also running their presidential primary, by the way. Uh, that had been delayed due to COVID in Minnesota, in Wisconsin, and in Georgia, where there's a primary runoff where a uh, crazy QAnon racist Trumper candidate is running against an only slightly less crazy Trumper candidate in a GOP primary that will determine which candidate goes to the U.S. Congress because it's a very Republican district. But there are uh, important contests in all of those states on Tuesday that we will discuss Uh, The results from whatever results we have by then on Wednesday's broadcast. So be sure to join us for that. Hopefully there will be no disasters on Tuesday akin to what we saw on Sunday in Puerto Rico in the primary there, which was a disaster. And I mean a disaster. Before I get to that, Des, you got some uh, update on the uh, Trump being whisked out (laughs) of the press uh, press conference room right the white house press briefing room he is now returned so apparently whatever the incident was that prompted the secret service to escort him out that incident apparently is over uh trump the the, now the details i have to say are quite unclear right now and Mm -hmm. have not been confirmed although trump did mention something about the secret service having to shoot somebody but of course it's president Uh trump saying these things so it's really unclear if that is actually true or some mangled version of what actually happened so that is all we know right now. Well, that was a lot right there, Des. Yeah. Uh, so Trump just said the Secret Service had to shoot someone? That's what he said. But again, right. the details have not been confirmed by any legitimate right. news source. So as soon as I got something that's actually confirmed, then I can... Thank you very much. Uh, as soon as we can find a legitimate source, that means not the president of the United States. We'll try to let you know what's going on. I thought for a minute that there might have been a fact that accidentally escaped from the presidential podium <laughs> into the room and they had to whisk him out for everyone's uh, safety. Nah. But that's not it. All right. Back to... Oh, man. Back to Puerto Rico. It's going to be one of those shows. It's going to be. And we're going to open the phone lines to you. Uh, 818-985-5735 will be our phone number if you want to ring in. And uh, in a while, uh, you can uh, wait online right now if you want. Uh, But back to Puerto Rico, where on Sunday, the uh, U.S. territory was forced to partially suspend voting for primaries entirely, primaries that were marred by a lack of ballots as officials called on the president of the U.S. Territory's Elections Commission to resign. The primaries for voting centers that had not received ballots by early afternoon 
are expected to be rescheduled next Sunday. That's how bad this was. Uh, Voting was able to continue elsewhere, but some uh, voting centers had no ballots at all. Pedro uh, Pierluisi, who is running against Governor Juan de Vasquez to become the nominee for the pro-statehood New Progressive Party, said, quote, I've never seen on American soil something like what has just been done here in Puerto Rico. It's an embarrassment to our government and our people. Yes, it was that bad. Governor Vasquez uh, called the situation, quote, a disaster and demanded the resignation of the president of the Elections Commission. The unprecedented situation comes as voters ventured out amid a spike in COVID-19 cases across Puerto Rico, an island of more than three million American citizens. The president of the governor's party, Thomas Rivera Schatz, uh, along with the president of the main opposition, the Popular Democratic Party, they held an unusual joint press conference together. That's how unusual this was. And they said that they agreed the remaining primary should be held on August 16, a move that Governor Vasquez said she supported. The two parties are both holding their uh, primary elections with the winning nominees among six gubernatorial candidates in November's general election. But the uh, future of Puerto Rico's botched primaries rested in the hands of a judge now on Monday as answers are trickling out as to why voting centers lacked ballots and uh, forced officials to reschedule part of the primaries. A plan to hold another primary on August 16 for centers that could not open on Sunday could change depending on the ruling of a lawsuit. Meanwhile, the new Progressive Party's Electoral Commission official told AP that key officials knew about the problems leading up to the primary on Sunday, but nobody did anything to stop it. She said the last of the remaining ballots arrived Saturday at 8.30 p.m., days behind schedule, and the trucks loaded with the ballots and electronic voting machines did not leave until Sunday, the day of the primary, when normally they would depart one or two days beforehand. Governor Vasquez and other top officials from the island's two main parties have demanded that the president of the Election Commission resign after the lack of ballots meant people were only able to vote in some 60 of 110 precincts on Sunday. It was the first time that primaries have been halted ever and led many to worry that it has cracked Puerto Ricans' confidence in their government and could affect the outcome of upcoming November general elections on an island with a voter participation rate of nearly 70 percent. The uh, political upheaval was demoralizing to some voters. One 31-year-old federal employee who did not get a chance to vote on Sunday said he would try again on August 16, that's next Sunday, even though he is frustrated and said what happened is irrational. He stressed that Puerto Rico's situation has got to change. He said the island is still struggling to recover from Hurricane Maria and a series of strong earthquakes amid a pandemic and a 13-year economic recession. Other than that, they're living the easy life in Puerto Rico, aren't they? Uh, And I will only hope that whatever happened there is not an omen for what we all could see on November 3rd. That voter said one has to go out and vote. The only way to fix all of this is kicking people out, he said. Uh, I'm with him. 
so, uh, yep, uh, you know, uh, speaking of which, last week we opened up the phone lines uh, to callers to ring in on their hopes for Joe, Bi- Joe Biden's uh, vice presidential pick, who they wanted him to pick and who they thought or feared he would pick instead. We had a ton of callers. We couldn't get to all of them. So as Joe Biden has still not selected his uh, vice presidential uh, partner, uh, I hope to open phone lines here, as I said, in a bit once again for calls on that or anything else that you might want to talk about or ask me about uh, or that I want to try to hit here before we get to the phones, as it has been a very busy news weekend. Never mind the news so far today, uh, a news weekend Um so uh, but I guess that's no longer unusual, is it, Desi, in the Trump and or covid era? No, no, it is not. Any other news on those shots fired uh, as reported by the president of the United States? Again, nothing is confirmed okay. by any legit news source. So OK, we'll let you know. OK. Our phone number in any event will be 818-985-5735 if you want to line up. I'm also curious, for those of you who have kids, we're going to talk about this in a second. Uh, You got kids out there, uh, school-age kids? As schools are preparing to reopen, and Donald Trump and some of the Trumpiest governors around the nation are still pretending that it is safe to open schools for in-person classes this month, And next month, uh, P.S., it is absolutely not safe to reopen the schools for in-person classes this month or next month. In any event, uh, would you send your kids back to school right now? I wouldn't. But if you would, I would love to hear from you as to why and what you must be thinking. 818-985-KPFK will be our phone number. Just a Thousand. This is just just as thousands more students return to classrooms this week. A new study, new study shows that more than 97,000 children in the U.S. tested positive for coronavirus in the last two weeks of July. Ninety seven thousand school age children. That, according to a new report published by the American Academy of Pediatrics and the Children's Hospital Association, the research found a 40 percent increase in child coronavirus cases in the states and cities that were studied during these two weeks. At least 86 children have now died as a result of the disease since May, according to this new report. Last week, a seven-year-old boy with no pre-existing conditions died from COVID-19 in Georgia. In Florida, two teenagers died earlier this month, marking the state's sixth and seventh coronavirus deaths among children 17 years of age and younger. The new study, along with previous research, directly contradict, of course, the president of the United States and the claims that he made last week, which were subsequently banned and removed from Facebook and Twitter, claiming that children are, quote, Almost immune to COVID-19. So you see, when we say that uh, the president of the United States is not a reliable source for any type of news, no matter how serious that news may be, this is a perfect example. Children are not, quote, almost immune 
Well, and in fact, they are not only not almost immune, they are quite immune, and they are likely to also be very good at spreading the virus. Yep. Even if they're asymptomatic and there's no sign whatsoever that they have it, they can still spread it to their teachers, their bus drivers, school staff, their parents, their grandparents, aunts and uncles, everybody in their family and in their extended family as well. And new studies show that there are also lifelong, potentially lifelong, long-term chronic health care consequences from having coronavirus for people of all ages. So brings me back to that question. Are you going to send your kids back to school? Would you if your school was opening to uh, in-person learning five days a week? I'm hoping here in California, at least, uh, most of the schools will not be opening anytime in the uh, near future here. Um, but uh, would you do it if if they did open the schools like these Trumpy state governors like Ron DeSantis is doing in Florida and Brian Kemp in Georgia? Uh, DeSantis is insisting on that in Florida. 818-985-5735 is our phone number. And while more classrooms are scheduled to reopen this week, some students who just started the school year are already going back to virtual learning because, surprise, New infections among students and teachers. Who could have seen that coming? Florida is still grappling with one of the worst infection rates in the country, according to CNN. As of Monday, more than 17 percent of tests uh, taken in the Sunshine State turn out to be positive. That is the fifth highest rate of any state in the U.S., according to Johns Hopkins data. And yet schools in at least 12 Florida counties will be reopening this week. For in-person learning, according to the Florida Education Association. That, despite the fact that last month, the director of the CDC said officials in counties where the test positivity rate is higher than 5 percent, maybe do not want to open their classes uh, to uh, students. Maybe they want to keep those closed. Well, more than 17 percent of tests taken turn out to be positive in the state of Florida as of today. Of those 12 counties where schools will reopen this week, at least nine had test positivity rates higher than 5 percent as of Saturday, according to the Florida State Department of Health. In Georgia, you may have seen this as it went viral late last week. North Paulding High School in Georgia made headlines after it reopened last week. And then a student posted a photo of a packed hallway with kids just shoulder to shoulder going through the hallway in between classes with virtually none of them wearing a mask. Well, that student who posted that that uh, those photos was suspended for doing so before she was then reinstated a few days later. And now, just a week after that school reopened, North Paulding is moving to online-only classes for at least Monday and Tuesday. As according to the uh, uh, principal, Gabe Carmona, in a letter to parents after he'd previously threatened students for posting images of crowded hallways last week, at least, quote, six students and three staff members who were in school for at least some time last week have since reported to us that they have tested positive. Again, who could have foreseen it? Uh, the teen who shot that video of the packed hallway, her name is uh, Hannah Waters. She said she received threats for doing so. The sophomore said she is not deterred, however. She wants to let everyone know how risky the situation is. Thank you, Hannah. You are a hero. 
And she echoed the late, great Georgia congressman and civil rights icon John Lewis, saying that uh, she thought it was important to, quote, make good and necessary trouble. Thank you, Hannah. You are correct. And you may have you may have uh, saved a whole bunch of lives in the bargain, too. So thank you for that as well. She said we could have just delayed opening like many other schools. They kind of sent us to school and used us as guinea pigs to see what would happen later on. Well, now we know. The Cherokee County School District in Georgia said 19 students and four teachers or staff members have now tested positive since the start of the school year just one week ago. Now, you know, we always I always like to put people who disagree with me uh, when they call in, they disagree with me. I try to put them up, you know, to the top of the list here to get to. So really, I know there's a lot of people out there listening who think that we should be opening schools, that we should be sending our children back to class right now. I'd really love to hear from you. I'd really love to know what you could possibly be thinking. Of course, a lot of those people tend to call in Desi and they call you names while I'm on air. And then they and you say, would you like to go on and talk to Brad? And they say, no, no. no and they, I know. <laughs> I know. But hey, up, but listen, maybe they will. I would be interested in I'll hearing be polite. why somebody would like to do that. I'll be polite. At least 16 schools across the county in Georgia now uh, have been impacted by all of this. Students and teachers affected must now quarantine for two weeks. And another Georgia school district, the Barrow County School System, they scrapped plans to reopen in person next week after more than 90 staff members were forced to quarantine due to a confirmed, suspected, or possible exposure to COVID-19. You know, maybe if we had spent more time protecting Americans instead of pretending that everything was just going to get better magically like a miracle, when it decidedly has not been getting better... You know, simply because Donald Trump thinks that pretending the virus away will somehow help him win re-election in 85 days. Maybe if we had taken real action like New Zealand did, which has not had a, a case of community spread, an infection due to community spread in the entire nation in more than 100 days as of today. Had we taken any of the actions that health experts begged us to take as a nation, perhaps we might have been able to reopen the schools by now, like New Zealand. But we didn't. And this is where we now are. So, sorry, deniers. Science always wins in the end because it doesn't care about politics or, or Donald Trump's re-election hopes. As of this weekend, more than 5 million Americans have now officially been confirmed as having been infected, and more than 162,000 of them have died. That, according to the very conservative statistics tracked by uh, Johns Hopkins, I say very conservative because other tracking sites place that number at 166,000 U.S. deaths at this point. And data from the CDC today actually suggests the number of COVID-related deaths are far higher than that. More than 200,000 deaths have occurred in the U.S. in 2020 that would not have been expected, according to trends from previous years. That's from data from the CDC. The figure encompasses all deaths that have occurred since March 15 
including the roughly 162 or 166,000 confirmed to have died of COVID-19 since the pandemic began in the U.S. But the 200,000 count is more than 50,000 deaths higher than the toll of those who died due to identified confirmed cases of COVID, suggesting that Far more have passed away from the uh, from the illness or from the disruption associated with the pandemic. So, for example, if you decided uh, not to go to the hospital for chest pains because you feared becoming infected at the hospital and you might have otherwise been treated, but you ended up dying with a heart attack because you did not get treatment, well, that would count here most likely as what is called an excess death, above and beyond what would normally be expected at this time of year based on trends going back years and years. 200,000 more deaths this year. Epidemiologists see these excess deaths uh, as one of the best ways to capture the course of a pandemic in relative real time. It takes weeks for the CDC to collect preliminary numbers of the dead for each state. And then the agency does not publish final uh, cause by cause mortality statistics until at least two years down the road. So this same method of uh, looking at excess deaths, that is what was used after Hurricane Maria hit Puerto Rico. Uh, that allowed public health officials to measure the true toll of the disaster that deprived the island of uh, needed service. So this horrific milestone of 200,000 excess deaths comes, of course, after months, uh, two months that saw cases surge around the country, particularly large per capita outbreaks in Arizona, in Texas and Florida, and uh, where the deaths still continue to grow. By the way, uh, according to an estimate by The New York Times, the only states uh, that have maintained death rates in line with previous years that haven't seen this excess, uh, these excess death numbers, Alaska, Hawaii, Maine, and West Virginia. But even if we go with the uh, conservative numbers from Johns Hopkins, uh, as of Monday morning, we had uh, looks like 164,000, just over 164,000 more cases than we did on Friday morning. That's 164,000 more cases today than Friday and nearly 3,000 more deaths today than we had on Friday morning. This is not going away. This is not getting better. This is not the time to make it worse by sending kids back to in-person classes. But I do welcome those of you who disagree with me to uh, tell me why. 818-985-5735. And uh, with all of that, <laughs> with all of that, uh, though, House Democrats passed a new emergency relief bill three months ago. The Republicans in Congress have done nothing over those three weeks. And last week, after the $600 a week expanded unemployment benefits ran out, well, Republicans finally offered to try to do something. Uh, their plan, slash it by $400 a week down to $200 a week, even though things are worse, not better than they were when they originally passed, and Republicans uh, were very supportive of this. The CARES Act, uh, the emergency relief bill earlier this year, when they gave $600 a week extra on top of unemployment, 
Well, not anymore, even though things are worse now than they were when they were or when the CARES Act was originally passed. This has resulted now in Mitch McConnell ducking out of the negotiations entirely because he can't get a majority of his caucus to agree to anything. And the great negotiator, Donald Trump, what did he do? How's he been uh, helping to work out the art of this deal? Well, he went golfing over the weekend at his resort in New Jersey instead of working, uh, instead of worrying about making a deal with Democrats. He left that to his chief of staff, Mark Meadows, and the Treasury Secretary, Secretary Steve Mnuchin. And it didn't work. So Trump did exactly what he and Republicans spent years saying that Barack Obama was not allowed to do, saying it was unconstitutional to do. Donald Trump issued an executive order to do stuff that Congress could not agree to pass, even though Republicans spent years suing the Obama administration when uh, they did anything even remotely like that. The difference here is that most of this... Uh, while both broader uh, sweeping is also uh, less broad sweeping. It's actually quite a bit of it is just pretend. Donald Trump on Saturday bypassed the nation's lawmakers and claimed he had the authority to defer payroll taxes and replace an expired unemployment benefit with a lower amount after negotiations with Congress on new coronavirus rescue package had collapsed. Trump's order encroached on Congress's control of federal spending and seemed likely to be met with legal challenges. Trump moved to continue paying a supplemental federal unemployment benefit for millions of Americans out of work. However, his order called for only $400 in payments each week. That's one third less than uh, folks had been getting previously. And out of that 400 He's making the states cover 25 percent of that. Well, newsflash to Donald Trump. The states, they ain't got it. That's part of the bill the Democrats had already passed and are seeking to pass in the Senate to include hundreds of billions in bailouts for cash-strapped states who literally do not have the money that Trump has now ordered them to spend. And unlike the federal government, states are not able to spend more money than they take in. The orders, quote, will take care of pretty much this entire situation as we know it, Donald Trump said. Again, you cannot rely on <laughs> Donald Trump for anything factual. Yes, you can. This is going to take care of everything. This is pretty much every. We're good now. We're good after these uh, executive <laughs> orders. It's all good. But you know what? They're not even orders. They are order. There was one executive order and three executive memos meant to look like orders. The memos are like, oh, pretty please do this. The executive actions signed over the weekend fall short of what he said that they would do and what Congress is trying to achieve in the COVID-19 relief package. Negotiations stalled out after Democrats offered to drop a trillion dollars from their plan if Republicans would go up a trillion dollars in their plan. The White House negotiators, however, rejected that compromise. On closer examination, though, in looking at these so-called executive orders, uh, TPM's Kate Riga noticed that many of those actions actually fall short of what Trump has promised that they do. The unemployment benefit now to run at 400 a week instead of uh, 600, that requires that 25 percent of the costs be made up by states, which they can't do. In addition, 
one of the sources of the $300 of federal aid uh, is is only enough to fund the pro the, that's from taking money from FEMA. Basically, they're taking money from FEMA for this. Right before we have a more active than usual hurricane season, yeah. by the way. Yeah, not before, but during. We're well, in the yeah. middle of it. Yeah. Uh, so they're going to take that money from FEMA and they're going to use it for unemployment. But that runs out in five weeks if they spend all of that money. And on top of that, the only people who would be eligible for this benefit would already have to be making at least $100 from their state's regular unemployment insurance. This means that the lowest income people, the people who most need it, they would be cut out entirely. So, and this, you know, particularly those who, that rely on tips, for example. Uh, as to this uh, payroll tax cut that uh, he is pretending to institute, this is, uh, he's been long been fighting over this. Both parties are completely against it, both Republicans and Democrats. Because it would only help people who are already working. Doesn't matter if you, you know, you get some of your uh, your your paycheck money back if you don't have a job at all. Anyway, uh, that would also end up gutting Social Security and Medicare because that's the money that he's talking about cutting. So not only would it yeah. uh, gut Social Security and Medicare, but also this is only deferred. And so as I understand it, that means that employers will have a will be taking out all that money yeah. that was deferred yeah. from the payroll tax yeah. at the end of the year. So a nice surprise chunk taken out of people's paychecks, those that still have jobs at the end of the year. That's got to be paid back. That's right. right. It's all got to be paid back. Uh, so, uh, this is just a mess. It is not what anyone is out there pretending that it is. Um, Nancy Pelosi called it, what was the word she used here? She was quoting actually Republican Senator Ben Sass of uh, Nebraska, uh, who described the actions as quote, unconstitutional slop. That's coming from the Republican U.S. Senator from Nebraska. Nancy Pelosi echoed him and called it un. Uh, unconstitutional slop as well. On Fox News Sunday, of all places, she says what he's doing is undermining Social Security and Medicare. Donald Trump said, well, they may not have to pay it back at the end of the year if I'm still president. I'll pass a law that will make it permanent, which means that will be a permanent cut to Social Security and Medicare, what Donald Trump promised he wouldn't do. The breakdown in negotiations over the last several days was particularly distressing for schools that are trying to reopen as they, too, are waiting for funding from the next relief bill, whatever it is. And Donald Trump did not offer any funding for schools in his pretend emergency orders. Um also, other priorities that continue to languish, billions for cash-strapped states and a fresh round of $1,200 direct payments to most people and a cash infusion for the struggling post office. Also, money to help states hold elections in November. The Republican Postal Board of Governors, um, as uh, Postal Worker Union President Mark Dimenstein told us late Friday, they had asked for $25 billion in emergency funding to help stave off disaster. But so far, unlike every other company in the country, they have received nothing. And state election officials also asked for some $4 billion to upgrade elections to be able to run them safely during the pandemic. Guess what? They have only received a pittance of what they said they would need to run a safe election this November. 
So you want to talk about any of that? Call me, 818-985-5735. Want to talk about anything else? Use the same number, 818-985-KPFK. Personally, uh, I'm exceedingly worried, exceedingly worried about what is going on at the Postal Service right now. Uh, As we discussed with uh, Dimenstein on Friday on this show, the American Postal Worker Union president, Uh, I've got some more along those lines uh, as well to cover if time allows. But, hey, feel free to derail me if you like. Your phone calls at 818-985-5735 are next. I'm Brad Friedman, and this is the world-famous Bradcast. Hi, this is Desi Doyen from the Green News Report and the Bradcast. What the public hears on the public airwaves matters. At the Bradcast, we do our best to bring you accurate news and analysis on the issues that actually matter. And we do it all independently, without corporate or political influence. But we can't do it without you, now more than ever. Please help us stay on your public airwaves by going to bradblog.com donate to help keep us going. That's bradblog.com donate. And thanks. Welcome back. It's the Bradcast. Brad Friedman from bradblog.com. We now have a a more reliable source than the president of the United States. The uh, Washington Post is reporting that the D.C. Fire Department was dispatched to outside the White House at 5.55 p.m. local time on Monday after a call from the Secret Service reporting that they had shot a person in the upper body. Uh, According to the D.C. Fire spokesperson, uh, President Trump said that the person was taken to the hospital after the shooting, uh, but that he did not know the person's condition. He added that he understands the suspect was armed. That part of the report, take it with a grain of salt. But apparently the Secret Service uh, did call for an ambulance uh, after a shooting outside of the White House. 818-985-5735 is our phone number. Uh, I was going to get to some of this from Dimenstein and the post office because this is really bad, really serious, really concerning. But I'd like to hear from you. Mike in Los Angeles. Hey, Mike, welcome to the broadcast, sir. Thank you, Brad. Yeah, I don't know that I have any children myself, but if I did, I think you I don't, could. Understand. You don't know, Mike? Okay, go ahead. Well. <laughs> I was young once. I see. Uh, All right. <laughs> I, I, I think I can understand why some people might be willing to send their kids back to school. Why? And it's best encapsulated in the uh, Trump bumper sticker collection I saw on Outbad News, and it goes, prove your faith, sacrifice your child, Trump 2020. Mm. And wow. it's based, of course, on the Old Testament uh, story of Abraham being ordered by God to sacrifice his child to Isaac to prove his uh, loyalty. Wow. And at the last minute, getting wow. a, you know, relenting. That's creepy. And, uh, and, and surely, it wherever you... It is really you s- creepy. Where, where you say you saw that on a bumper sticker? Well, it was a collection of proposed bumper stickers for the Trump 2020 campaign that was on uh, one of the websites. I don't believe that but, was real, but I, I mean, I think it was well, satirical, but I take your point, yeah. Yes, it was, I'm sure. Wow. But some of these people uh, are locked into this absurd notion that somehow Trump is a reincarnation of Darius the Great, who, while he wasn't uh, an Israeli himself, uh, did great things for the kingdom of Israel. 
but it's a very fallacious sort of a notion because Darius the Great was noted for his uh, encyclopedic tolerance of all sorts of different cultures and religions, uh, very much unlike Trump. And also unlike Trump, Darius the Great would never have tried to start a war with Persia because he was the emperor of Persia. So mm, yeah. that's my view. Well, you know Darius the Great, and uh, you know Donald Trump, and you know that he is no Darius the Great. Thanks, Mike. I do appreciate that call. 818-985-5735. Des, you had a response? You you wanted to respond to that? I just want to sort of echo further that the idea that that some of the white evangelical community believes that Trump was chosen by God, despite him being a sinner, and that, you know, he was chosen by God, and it's okay that he's a you know, rampages center that uh, to get the stuff done that these white Christian evangelicals uh, want done. And I also want to point out that there is a very distinct difference uh, and a spectrum of beliefs across the evangelical community. And they're not all white evangelicals. Uh, In fact, there are people of color who are also evangelicals who do not subscribe to this theory. And there are white evangelicals who do not subscribe to this insane theory. Uh, Oh, good. Our friend uh, Roger in Minneapolis. Uh, Hey, Roger, welcome to the broadcast. I saw that you had called in last week. I wasn't able to get to you on the Veep Stakes. So I'm glad uh, you you called us back uh, today. Uh, How are you, sir? How are you doing, sir? And what, what? Oh, do I have the wrong... Let me fix that. Wait, there we go. Isn't that Roger? There we go. Okay, we'll get to Matt in a second. Hey, Roger. Okay, hope you heard that. Welcome to back to the show. Uh, your thoughts on the Veep stakes, sir? Well, um, I'll keep these. I'll keep that very compact. If we wanted to see Biden win in a landslide, who he should really pick would be Michelle Obama. But since that apparently is not an option. Um, I, I strongly feel the business of identity politics uh, really is a mistake, that we should be looking at policy. Yeah. And um, I would like to see him pick Elizabeth Warren. Mm-hmm. Um, I am afraid that he's going to probably pick Kamala Harris. I think that's very unfortunate. Moving right along. And how would I, you, uh, hang on, before you move along there, Roger, okay. uh, how would you like to see Susan Rice be named? What would you think of that? Well, I'm afraid that um, I view both Harris and Rice as um, pretty much military-industrial complex mm. candidates. Gotcha. Okay. And and uh, uh, and so I I, 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 they've got their war cred, especially Rice does, uh, very comparable uh, to Clinton's. Mm-hmm. Um, and I was a supporter of Clinton in 2016. Mm-hmm. Um, I would rather that. Biden concern himself with trying to pick up a lot of very disaffected progressives. Mm-hmm. And right. I think that he, I think he needs to give them more attention than he's bothering to. Gotcha. Um, I, I don't want to miss though, um, expressing a couple more things very quickly. Very quickly, sir. Okay. Um, this is the beginning of my sixth month of isolation from all people. It's not fun. Mm. I will conclude that part. Yeah. And then move on to the matter of my absolute horror at what appears to be everything in motion to steal this election. And the real icing on the cake is this terrible post 
Master General and the moves that he made on on Friday in particular. Yeah, I'm very worried about it, Brad. Yeah, I am uh, equally worried. It was just moments after we got off air with the uh, president of the Postal Workers Union on Friday that we got this new news that uh, Louis DeJoy, he's the major Trump uh, Republican Trump mega donor. He's got no experience at the USPS. He has essentially ordered that the mail will be slowed down. The uh, head of the union, Mark Dimenstein, during that interview said he did in fact confirm that yes, mail is in fact being slowed down everywhere now across the country. Uh, at a moment in history that the nation now needs reliable mail service more than ever before. But as soon as we got off the air, uh, the, it got worse. News came that uh, 23 postal executives were reassigned or displaced, uh, including uh, top executives responsible for overseeing the movement of the mail. This is not a joke. This is not a drill. This is for real. They are undermining everything they can, the most core elements of our democracy, the U.S. Census, elections, the U.S. Post Office, for Christ's sake. So, you know, I know that there's a I've heard from, you know, progressives of various sorts out there who think that we have some sort of a luxury. Oh, maybe I'll vote green this year. I don't know. I'm not happy with Joe Biden. Uh, If I'm not happy with his uh, selection for vice president, I may not vote at all. Everyone is needed. All hands on deck. This is goddamn serious. And this president will be reelected for another four years, at least, if we continue to look at this as some sort of a political game. We do not have that luxury anymore, Roger. Quick civics class question, teacher. Yes. Um, Do we have any existing mechanism in our governmental structure to push back on the dismantling of the post office? Not uh, not easily Uh, lawsuits, but not very easily. Unfortunately, we uh, the Postal Board of Governors could do so. We can bring in and I know that uh, they're they're trying to bring in uh, Louis DeJoy to testify. But no, right now, uh, the best mitigation for everything that's going on is us, is we the people. It's us taking action, is us making sure we apply early for a vote by mail ballot if you're unwilling to go in uh, uh, to the to the polling place and making sure you know where to hand deliver that ballot. Don't wait for the post office. And I gave the uh, uh, great uh, again, uh, a great um, uh, website that I only found over the weekend. Uh, Mimi Kennedy of uh, Progressive Democrats of America gave it to me. Twenty twenty voters calendar dot org has information for each state on where you need to register, what the deadlines are, how you can get an absentee ballot, whether you can uh, hand deliver your uh, absentee ballots or not. Uh, Please not only check it for yourself, but share it with your friends. Roger, I got to let you go. Stay safe up there. Uh, Six months in isolation. Get out. Take a breather. Drive around or something, something. Uh, You'll be okay. Uh, Always good to hear from you, my friend. Stay safe. Thank you so much. Bye bye. You bet. All right. uh, Tell you what, let's take a quick break here and we'll come back with uh, more calls. 818-985-KPFK on whatever is on your mind. Did I mention this is not a drill? This is not a drill. This is damn serious. 50-50 chance at best that Donald Trump is removed from office this year. 
818-985-KPFK. I'm Brad Friedman, and this is your Bradcast. Hey, this is Brad. If you haven't noticed by now, it's no easy feat finding facts, real facts, not alternative facts, over your public airwaves. We try to bring you real facts, truth, and clarity without fear or favor each and every day on the Bradcast. But we need your help to do it. If you enjoy the show and or get something from it, please give back a bit, if you can, by visiting us at bradblog.com donate. Your support helps Desi and me continue to bring you real, independent, progressive news five days a week over your public airwaves. We simply can't do it without your help, and that help is needed more now than ever. Please stop by bradblog.com donate today to make a one-time donation or, even better, automated monthly support. It'll take you about 60 seconds, and you can rest easy knowing that we'll be here every day making sense of it all, or at least trying to. That's bradblog.com donate, and thanks. Welcome back. It's your Bradcast. I'm Brad Friedman from bradblog.com, taking your calls at 818-985-5735. Let's go to Karen in the Bay Area. Hey, Karen, welcome to the Bradcast. Uh, good afternoon, uh, Brad. Uh, first of all, regarding your uh, topic question, I have a cousin living in Paul Ryan's old district in Wisconsin, and uh, he wants his uh, grandchildren children to go to a physical campus really and that's in uh in james in janesville wisconsin we're on the air there on wadr no, i don't know if that's where it is or not uh no south of milwaukee but uh, then he's very close uh-huh. to me so i don't know but uh anyway uh president trump uh signed this fake executive order uh mm-hmm. saying he's going to implement what's already in the affordable care act coverage of pre-existing conditions I'm wondering if uh, COVID-19 will be classified as a condition, and if not, uh, do we Americans will have, have to fight to uh, get COVID-19 <laughs> into our health insurance uh, coverage? Well, to be clear. The ACA or whatever's left of it? Yeah, to be clear, he has not signed uh, any such uh, executive action or order or memo, to my knowledge, that has to do... Uh, with the Affordable Care Act uh, and replacing it. He's pretended he is going to. He's He's been saying, I may do that as soon as uh, tomorrow or next week. He has been saying that for at least a year now. He hasn't done it. But, yes, what he has said was, oh, he would somehow protect pre-existing conditions with his executive order uh, that he does not actually have the, uh, the, the constitutional authority to do. And uh, pre-existing conditions mean pre-existing conditions. So, yeah, if you got uh, COVID, uh, you would not be allowed to have your uh, your, your medical care uh, uh, blocked, your uh, health insurance blocked by the health insurance companies. That's the case now. If he puts in a uh, some pretend executive order that does that already, even though he is out suing, trying to end the law, the constitutional law that does that, 
It's all just pretend, Karen. All of this is just pretend by this president. Unfortunately, the fact that we have an election coming up in just days at this point, 85 days, that is not pretend. The fact that he's trying to undermine it is not pretend. Thanks for that call. Let me go to, uh, oh, we're coming up top of the hour, so let's uh, be quick about it, uh, boys and girls. Matt in San Luis Obispo. Hey, Matt, welcome to the uh, broadcast, sir. Okay, now we will try to go to uh, Bill. Where's Bill? Our old friend Bill in Lake Elsinore. Hey, Bill, welcome to the broadcast. Dude, this is Bill's nephew, Rusty. He told me <laughs> that I could talk on the phone sometime. Uh-huh. I'm a high schooler from Georgia, uh-huh. and it's party time. Um, high school athletes don't get it, so those of us on the wrestling team and the football team are immune to this disease. Uh-huh. It's just like a flu, and fine babies don't get it either. Okay. Thanks, Brad. Th- thanks, Rusty, for calling in from 1957. To discuss, uh, <laughs> all right, do we have time? We got time for one more? Uh, of course we do. We always have time for Mo. Even if we have to go into the next hour, we will have time for Mo. Well, not really, but this time we do. Hey, Morris in Long Beach, how are you, brother? My brother, the number one tweet of the day, now check this out. Mitigation of lethal aerosol pathogens and bacteria have proven to be more effective than controversial vaccines. We have the necessary technology to reopen our economy safely. That was tweeted out by mitigationplanners.com. What's going on, Brad? Well, what do you mean mitigation? How, how are we going to get rid of COVID in the air? What's their plan for this mitigation short of a vaccine? All you have to do is go to the webpage and see all the technologies that are available. I'm using one right now. It's called an air purifier. I've got it wrapped around me right now. Yeah. Anything for from me or to me. Yeah. Yeah. So if we if we uh, suck the COVID out of the air while we're at it, we can suck the carbon out of the air too and solve global warming all at once. No problemo. <laughs> Thanks, Mo. I appreciate it. I got to get out, my friend. Uh, oh man. Oh, hey, Desi. This is not getting uh, better. This is getting worse day by day by day. But we will be here with you day by day by day as we promised we would at least four years ago. We'll hope you'll be with us every day. My thanks to our producer, Desi Doyen, to our board operator today, Federica Garcia. Thank you, sir. Uh, And to all of you for spending a portion of your day or night with us. If you missed any portion of today's program... You can download it anytime for free at bradblog.com, and you can drop me email. I am bradcast at bradblog.com. On the Facebooks and the Twitters, I am simply the Brad Blog. We will see you there until we see you here next time, hopefully tomorrow. I'm Brad Friedman. Good luck, world. <laughs>